this could be, you know, the second movie to the social network. That's what this sounds like. <laughs> you have over a hundred open openings right now, right? Yeah, that's correct. For the protocol lab side, we have um, over 100 roles open. Apple is looking for engineers to build a 3D world for its yet-to-be-announced mixed reality headset. Recruiting is Web3. World-class podcast. Let's get it. Let's go. The topics of discussion you cannot get from another. Opportunities in Web3, we got you covered. Meta intro, been dope. Gotta thank you for the love and support that you're giving. Keep it coming. We going up in jazz fees, interviews with the crews, making moves, let's see, it's a brand new world of NFTs, join in, recruiting Gish Podcast, yes please, join in, recruiting Gish Podcast, yes please. Let's do this. All right. Hi everyone, GM. Uh, today is Monday, the 21st of November, and we have a pretty special guest, uh, Donnie from Protocol Labs from the recruitment team. And today we're going to be talking about open, open roles headlines, all of the good stuff that you usually listen into uh, with Recruiting-ish. So let's dive in. Yeah. So first headline, Gemini is back hiring again. Um, it looks like they're doing a Seattle hub, um, looking to focus on about 100 people, um, expanding to the metaverse. Not really sure kind of what they're focusing on, but looks like they're looking to tap into some talent. What, uh, what do you guys think about it? Yeah, I saw their listings on uh, LinkedIn, I want to say maybe a few weeks ago, but they've been slowly hiring over the past few months. Like they've always like been within the listings on LinkedIn over like they, they were never not there. I think maybe just with uh, all of the layoffs, like and everything happening, they're looking at it as an opportunity to staff up. So they must have had capital reserved for crypto winter. Yeah, that's definitely a strategic move on their part. Um, for Meta, um, all of the VR, AR projects and Metaverse stuff is kind of hub there, um, you know, in, uh, specifically in Redmond, Washington. Uh, so I'm not surprised they, they chose Seattle as a, a next hub. Yeah, I didn't know that was a big hub for people in crypto. Yes, for tech though, right? There's like a ton of uh, large campuses there. Oh, uh, well, Alex, did you mention oh, yeah. that they're doing something with the metaverse? Yeah, so it looks like, I mean, it's talks in general that that's like a, a plan for hiring. Um, some of these roles will kind of be focused on specialized um, areas, including probably VR, AR. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting, right? It's like they did a ton of layoffs. They kind of, you know, restricted hiring for a little bit. Now it looks like, with the layoffs and everything, they're looking to pick some people up. But yeah, curious to see. I mean, I know it's been kind of up and down and hiring and kind of budgets. So yeah, 100 people is a lot of people. I hope they can sustain them for at least a, you know, a, a long time. So they're not doing another layoff here six months to a year from now, if things yeah. keep going in the, the chilly winter. This is just, uh, this could be, you know, the second movie to the social network. That's what this sounds like. <laughs> Literally a line article says crypto exchange is also making a large bet on the metaverse competing against meta either that's a total <laughs> spoof on the journey. um great clickbait or you know that was that may have been mentioned uh, actually who knows i don't have the actual article up in front of me but uh movie number two sequel coming yeah soon. well 
I'm not going to lie, that, that thought came to mind. I was like, Winklevoss yeah. Twins, uh, Meta has a you know, beloved uh, second hub in Seattle. The coincidence? I think not. I know. Well, they'll probably get a lot of talented people. I mean, the open market yeah. right now, which we'll talk about, you know, throughout this podcast and ongoing podcast with the amount of layoffs that are happening right now, the access to like top tier talent. Um, if you have the ability to attract that talent to your company, like the pool is great right now. So cool. All right. Hopping into the second headline, Apple jobs listings suggest the company is building a metaverse of its own for its own, for its long rumored headset. Headset. Um, Apple is looking for engineers to build a 3d world for its yet to be announced mixed reality headset. Um, job listings from Apple Technology Development Group show that the tech giant is looking for people to make content for its headset, like software producers to work on visual effects, etc. Apple is expected to release its first mixed reality headset in 2023 and could cost $3,000. That's nuts and very expensive. Would you pay $3,000 to hop into an Apple headset? No one said I no. was I, <laughs> probably I'm, I'm sitting with, a, you know, probably five, seven grand of Apple devices around me. So I say no, but I probably have to get it right. Yeah. Like, I, I think it'd make the most sense, but. Yeah, well, I mean, that price point definitely makes uh, Meta's, uh, you know, high end device look like a, a bargain buy. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I was hesitant even to, you know, pull the trigger on that one. How much does the uh, Meta headset cost? I think it's like around fifteen hundred. Which makes you hesitant. Yeah, when Apple comes out and says three thousand, you're like, well, it's Apple. You know, it's yeah. going to be good quality. Yeah. Most likely, be worth it. Um, it, you know, it justifies the price just because of the name. Oh, it's consistent with their branding for sure. Oh, totally. Well, I'm curious what the what the headset will be able to do. I mean, yeah. I'm most likely compatible with everything. Yeah, well, I, I worked in the AR VR research uh, side of the house for for Meta for quite a number of years, for three and a half years, and uh, you know, we did a lot of research into kind of you know what Apple is up to. They keep a, a lot of things on lock, but if you hop onto you know some public web websites called Patently Apple, you can kind of see all the patents for Apple in this space, and they have some pretty incredible technologies coming out. You know, one of them, you know, I was just looking at it earlier was, uh, you know, they have a patent for AR VR headset that uses dynamic focus 3D display that projects images directly onto the retina. So it's like, yeah, yeah, they, they definitely have been investing a lot of time and money on this. Wow. That would be awesome. I guess next step is for the computer, or to, I guess to be compatible with the computer, right? Yeah, yeah, there's been a lot of talks in the industry of, you know, can you pair it with a, you know, cell phone, which is already a supercomputer in your pocket, or is there going to be an onboard chip that, you know, kind of does that processing as well? Um, you know, but there's always trade-offs to that, right? You know, there's a lot of heat dispersion, there's a lot of kind of, uh, you know, uh, resource usage, and you would want that on your head, <laughs> you know, at, at the same time. So, um, yeah, it, it's it'll be interesting to see what they come up with. Yeah, and how they're recruiting for it, or how they recruited for it. So I'm assuming uh, it was top tier talent being able to join that team. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know how they've kind of approached their recruiting practices for this um, segment, but um, I, if I, I, the, the things I kind of know about Apple is that they do tend to be pretty, uh, you know, uh, quiet in, you know, everything's a secret. Uh, so uh, it's interesting that, you know, people have found those kind of breadcrumbs to uh, their, their, you know, hiring uh, along with this project. Yeah. When I see any of the listings from Apple, far and few between, maybe over the past six months, and they're always, um, they're always very like indirect listings that like just sprinkle a blockchain on, you know, like buzzword. <laughs> yeah. Just to be so vague about, you know, what they're working on, but just enough that they know if they post a job that says blockchain, they're going to get a ton of people applying. So, um, yeah, I've, I've seen a few of those and if anything, they have all been developer jobs. Yeah. So. It's would, a good I, opportunity. I mean, to develop that with Apple, right. I mean, probably the biggest name in tech, like that's, it's a sell. I mean, if you're a developer that has those skill sets, it's, it's a pretty easy, uh, jump to make to it for sure. Can you imagine getting a job for that? How easy that would be <laughs> after developing the headset? Well, I'm curious too. I mean, with all these metaverses, right? I think the biggest question is like, are they going to integrate, right? Like is Apple's metaverse, Meta's metaverse, these other kind of places, like, are we going to be able to jump from one to the other? Do I have to have three different meta headsets, right? Like, I think that's kind of a technology piece that's not been played out yet. So if you got those skills, hopefully you're, uh, you're working on something like that. All right, hopping into the next headline. I was really excited to talk about this because I've been seeing the headlines for so long now, and I've also seen the job listings for it. Um, but somebody finally picked up, uh, Rolex is looking to bring luxury watches into the metaverse. Uh, Swift, Swiss luxury watchmaker Rolex is looking to get in on the metaverse game. Um, recently filing a trademark related to cryptocurrencies, NFTs, and virtual goods. Um, they have extensive plans for the metaverse and they're looking to set up online spaces for buyers and sellers of virtual products, such as watches, watches and watch parts. Um, and they will make the going to market, um, by product placement and online games. This is like not new news with companies coming in and doing stuff like this. I mean, I went to like the Vans virtual world on Roblox, which was super awesome. You can buy like, you know, uh, the skateboard and get the IRL skateboard. <laughs> for a little bit. Um, but could you imagine like the, the percentage of people that are that this would actually be applicable to, but like buying a avatar Rolex and then getting the real version shipped to you. Uh, small portion of people, I think that actually have enough Robux to be able to afford that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it sounds like a pretty smart move on uh, the part of these companies. You know, if I, you know, think about the pandemic, some of the biggest kind of winners out of the pandemic were luxury brands. Like they continued to grow, they continued to uh, gain market share from, uh, you know, high end uh, customers. Um, and so, yeah, to kind of now translate into the NFT, uh, NFTs and the metaverse and everything. Uh, it seems like they're trying to kind of, you know, uh, future-proof their their uh, their business uh, and, and get a piece of that early. Children of the next generation making sure they want to buy Rolexes too. <laughs> Got to keep that yeah, brand. Yeah, there's going. definitely some fourteen. 
Yeah, some 14, 15-year-olds out there with some very expensive uh, virtual watches. Yeah. It's, I mean, it makes sense. I think, you know, the, the big piece here that applies is for luxury brands like the counterfeit market, right? Like, does an NFT give you the virtual good that you can kind of show off in these metaverses, but also does it validate that your watch is real, right? Like, I think there's a huge you know, application on that side, um, as well as like, you know, if you want to sell it, like, does this become a marketplace that you can sell physical and digital goods kind of all in one place? Um, yeah, I mean, watches are expensive. You definitely don't want to get rubbed when you're buying one. So hopefully they, they kind of build these things um, well, but I think Rolex is an established brand. So it's showing that the technology's definitely not going anywhere, I think, if anything. Um, over the over the past week, uh, the Two companies that popped up uh, on my timeline that were new to staffing up for Web3 related roles was Dick's Sporting Goods. They're staffing up like crazy mm. right now. That was hilarious, um, but makes sense. But interesting, like as a large retailer, uh, not like a specific uh, like sports brand, if you will, uh, trying to make that transition in. So maybe you'll be able to go to Dick's uh, on Roblox one day or Decentraland. Um, or maybe they're building out a park, a virtual park. Maybe they're looking at like partnering with brands like, you know, the NFL or NHL, something like that. Um, and then my favorite, Crocs is hiring for the Metaverse. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah. Did you see me tweet about that? I did see the tweet. I was like, oh my gosh, virtual Crocs, buy every pair I can find. Oh my God, could you imagine just going through like a Crocs virtual game and you're getting NFT? <laughs> what are those things called you put in the Croc? You know, like the little, oh, like the, the yeah, little whatever the little tab. edition pieces are. Custom, yeah. You're the game and you're like connect, collecting the <laughs> NFTs like supermarket style and like you get the real version sent to you. Genius. I love it. Um, so that, uh, that was exciting, but I was tweeting i was like i feel like i need to start a twitter thread of just like weird companies that i'm seeing but like genius and makes sense uh hiring for web3 related jobs so tbd all right well um those were our three headlines uh for today but super excited to have our guest here um our guest is from protocol labs and i will have him uh give us a quick intro and then we will go in and ask you all the questions that job seekers probably should have asked you during their interview. So I will let you take it away. If you can give us a high level overview of who you are um, in relation to protocol um, and maybe a little bit about your background because your background is super interesting and you have a deep career uh, or past career, full career yeah. uh, within hiring. Yeah. Would it be helpful if I kind of gave a TLDR for now, or would I? Would you want me to go long form? Because you know, once once I get talking, I can get uh, <laughs> going pretty long here. So let's do the TLDR. Okay, sounds good. Well, um, yeah, uh, at, at Protocol Labs, I'm talent acquisition team on a specialized team that's um, acting as a VC talent arm for the entire Protocol Labs network, which is an ecosystem of over 500 companies. Uh, in Web3 that are being supported um, by Protocol Labs, um, obviously some other kind of backers as well. Um, but there's another kind of unifying um, element of uh, all these companies building on top of Protocol Labs primitives like you know IPFS, IPLD, Filecoin, Multiformance, Blue P2P, uh, and things like that. So 
um, yeah, it, it's it's an incredible space to be in. Uh, there are so many different companies that are you know solving real problems. You know, uh, with with new technology, um, you know, everything from DeFi to NFTs to zero knowledge. Um, you know, uh, gaming, um, the metaverse, uh, decentralized uh, or uh, yeah, decentralized talent networks, um, uh, data integrity. It, the list keeps on going on and on. It's 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 a pretty incredible ecosystem to be part of. Uh, before that was, uh, as I briefly mentioned, was part of the Meta Reality Labs um, AR VR research um, you know, hiring team. Uh, oh, and I guess in between that, I was a, a director of talent acquisition for a fintech uh, startup, uh, and then before Meta was a uh, at Google, kind of uh, you know building out the Seattle Kirkland offices. Um, yeah, just for their Gen Suite pipeline, uh, also hiring for uh, engineering managers. Wow. Well, I think before we dive into the questions, which Alex, Alex, I'll let you take uh, the first few. Something that I feel like now we need to ask just every episode. Uh, what did you want to be when you grew up, when you were 10 years old? And did you think <laughs> you'd ever land in recruiting? Uh, I felt like the, my uh, career goals were kind of imposed on me by my parents, uh, kind of the, your typical Asian American upbringing. Uh, I was supposed to be a doctor. Uh, and so I kind of followed that path for uh, quite some time into my junior year in college until I realized I'm, I'm just not making the grades to, to make this happen. And so I kind of followed my passion uh, into uh, English and ended up getting a minor in medical uh, history and ethics, uh, one credit short from getting a, a chemistry minor too. Uh, but for me, you know, like I, I got in, in completely lucky and got into a systems analyst role uh, with a um, Fortune 500 uh, logistics firm uh, here in Seattle called uh, Expeditors International. Did that for like six and a half years. Uh, again, kind of hit this pivotal moment in my life where I was like, hey, I want to follow my passions. And so I realized, hey, I have a bigger passion for people than I do for systems. Um, got into a uh, recruiting program management role over there where I was able to create a whole bunch of strategies that they're still using today, uh, and then got pulled over by Google, which was you know blowing up uh, by 2016, um, and then kind of the the rest is history. Uh, just being in the space uh, of recruiting. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, no, there's no one path into recruiting. Everybody that uh, you know, I've asked this question to started on one end completely different, uh, and kind of just fell into the recruiting space. Like you, Alex. Yeah, I feel like nobody grows up saying they're going to be a recruiter, but then <laughs> once you get here, you stay, right? Like again, the connections you make, and especially, you know, at these companies, the talent you're talking to is is just top notch. So it, it keeps you coming back around. And from like your experience, you know, large companies in Web two, Google, Meta, how did you get to Web three? Like, what kind of steps did you take to kind of you know, break into a, an industry that can be quite nascent sometimes? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, I kind of started off with like more of a personal kind of interest in the space. Uh, when I was at Google, I had a, a coworker who one day just said, hey, true, uh, have you heard about Bitcoin uh, and Ethereum? And I was like, eh, not really. And so I was like, I, I, I tend to be a very curious person. And so like, of course, I get down this rabbit trail of research and, you know, I look at Bitcoin and I'm like, 
eh, digital gold that you know that that's not super exciting uh, but when I looked into ethereum I think that was what kind of sold me on this um, this this blockchain technology was you know there's a functional purpose to kind of building things out there's you know uh, new uh, apps and you know technologies that can be built on top of it and so you know just had a very surface level kind of um you know experience there you know uh invested a, a sizable amount and you know made it big from there uh, but then fast forward you know i didn't really think about it too much like i've always kind of you know paid attention to maybe a, a, a few kind of uh sound bites about the the industry uh since then but uh, it wasn't until I left my last uh, startup that, you know, I really dug into, uh, fell, you know, just kind of fell upon uh, Protocol Labs and realized what they were trying to build, um, you know, learned about, you know, moving things from a location addressable kind of system to content addressable uh, data on uh, the, the internet, Um you know, uh, learning about interoperability between uh, blockchains um, such as ours and Ethereum and Solana, and it's like, wow, there's there's such a a vast amount of um, projects and resources and, and technology, and so uh, yeah, it was just really about making connections and uh, kind of pursuing uh, those those again those rabbit trails of curiosity that that you know I just kind of personally got pulled into. I think I was personally really excited when you said yes to being on this podcast because over the past few months, as companies have reduced the amount of mm. open vacancy, if there were five companies that I had to name within this space that actually went the complete opposite way and were like, I'm staffing up today, you would be in, in that top five. Um, your protocol labs would be in that top five. So with that being said, you have over a hundred open openings right now, right? Yeah, that's right. For the protocol lab side, we have um, over 100 roles open. Um, if you kind of expand that to the protocol labs network, um, and, and I can share the link with you guys uh, in a little bit here, but um, it's it's really a representation of over 500 companies that are hiring um, on the current job board. You know, we're we're striving to be the world's largest Web3 job board. Um, and currently there's over a hundred, you know, startups of varying sizes. Um, there's nearly 450 positions that are open within the network as well. And so, uh, not only are we continuing to grow into 2023, uh, for protocol labs, we're also growing, uh, the, the entire protocol labs network. That's amazing. Um, with, uh, with all of that happening in the background with all the companies that are, that are building with you and internally staffing up, um, you have something called Lab Week, right? That's like also running on the side. What What is that for people that, that don't know and how can you join? How can you use that as a catalyst to be noticed, uh, you know, to get hired if you want to work for Protocol Labs and you know, the companies that are within, within the ecosystem? Absolutely. Thank you so much for bringing that up. It's still fresh in my memory because we all of us were in Lisbon, uh, you know, just a few weeks ago, uh, attending Lab Week 22. Um, and for us, you know, that's a just a amalgamation of conferences and events that that we've thrown uh, for the entire community. It's it's open, like, you know, we are open source first. Uh, by nature. And so um, not only do we kind of uh, host Lab Week, uh, which is, um, 
yeah, a, a smattering of different Web3 movements and uh, spaces and events for, for people to gather and, and have conversations. We had um, a, a event hosted by our uh, Metaverse uh, company, um, uh, Mona. Uh, and so they, they had, uh, you know, uh, artists, NFT artists come up and talk about, you know, the impact they've been able to make and uh, the empowerment that they get from, you know, building on an open Metaverse. Uh, we had a fascinating conversation around uh, the DSI space, decentralized science. Um, you know, uh, how do you gain better insights through data that is historically like nearly impossible to to make sense of? You know, due to privacy rights and everything, right? And so, how how do you use blockchain or how do you use Web three uh, you know technologies to solve for that? Um, you know, we in the talent space, you know, uh, uh, took uh, advantage to just uh, have these massive networking events and um, uh, other kind of uh, conferences to to really promote um, the the growth in this space. Um, on top of that, you know, we we do try and uh, connect Lab Week with other kind of initiatives, like we have a, a Launchpad program that's uh, basically a uh, onboarding six-week onboarding program uh, provided by uh, Protocol Labs to help transition people from Web two to Web three. Um, you know, uh, uh, Filecoin Lisbon was you know hosted there. There's IPFS Camp. Uh, you know, uh, uh, other partners like Ethereum. Uh, you know, had uh, you know a, a conference going on in Lisbon. Uh, Web Summit was right after you know uh, uh, after a lot of um, our events were uh, taken up too. So. Um, yeah, it's this this amazing, energetic, uh, open source uh, community uh, and and uh, events and, and uh, conferences. So it definitely seems like crypto winter is not slowing you guys down, right? If anything, you guys are kind of doubling down on the network effect. It sounds like in this kind of almost family of brands, which is really cool. It's a, it's a awesome approach to again extend the reach that you guys have. Yeah, yeah. If you ever hear Juan um, speak about it, you know this is our third crypto winter that we've gone through as as a company, and you know we're you know we're not afraid of it. You know we found that if we put our heads down, we continue to grow, we continue to invest in building, then you know we make it to the next cycle, right? So, um, yeah. So, what's the typical interview process look like? Yeah, so um, it, it can can vary. So if you're talking about protocol labs, you know we go through a pretty intentional process of, you know, sourcing and vetting uh, the right candidates, uh, introducing to uh, them to hiring teams and managers. Uh, they go through like an initial interview process. Uh, they go through a follow up interview, which tends to be you know a technical round, um, depending on the role, obviously, right? You know, I I, I guess the the first process that comes to mind is kind of like the SWE process. Um, if you make it past that kind of follow-up interview, then we have our mains, which is, you know, multi-round process, anywhere from three to four rounds. Um, and then, you know, we have a, a hiring thesis, which is a, a you know, very, um, you know, uh, it, it's it's kind of, you know, uh, an element of Conway's law where, you know, a lot of, you know, the the, the work that happens in the tech space uh, gets kind of, um, you know, uh, 
the vernacular brings comes down to our business processes as well. So we have this hiring thesis where you know the hiring team or the manager makes this you know uh, really long uh, write up about um, the candidate and whether they're uh, worthy of hiring. You know the leveling guidance, things like that, um, and then uh, they, they come on and, and get an offer. If you're talking about the protocol labs network side of things, you know, it's 500 companies, right? They all act as their own entities. So they have their own different um, interview processes, but they do tend to be kind of, you know, pretty straightforward with an initial interview, um, you know, a follow-up mains and then offer. Are you going to increase internally the amount of people that you're hiring? Like, and can you tell us if you are? (laughs) Um, I will leave that, uh, as a unknown, uh, for now, but, uh, you know, I, I think we are excited about the future. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we continue to grow, grow, uh, beyond 2023 in the same fashion. So. And from like a, a profile of the ideal kind of culture candidate that you're looking for, are you guys open to you know, web one, two, three, like anybody who's looking to build, or has there been kind of the right mix of experience that like really works in terms of candidates you hire? Yeah, absolutely. Um, all of the above, you know, I think, you know, we strategically speaking, we do try and, um, you know, find people that have some of that web three experience, whether it be blockchain or crypto or, you know, smart contracts, um, you know, coding languages and rust and solidity, um, so, so we do some pretty, um, robust, uh, talent mapping around there. Uh, but you're right, you know, it's, it's a small space, right? Um, and so we do branch out into web, uh, one, web two. Um, <laughs> I had a, uh, a coworker of mine, uh, post this, this funny meme, uh, if you're familiar with, uh, the, the pigeon meme where, you know, like the pigeon, somebody's trying to put this cracker in front of the pigeon and the pigeon's like, get that out of my face. But then once the pigeon eats it, you know, it's like, you know, the, this, this, uh, uh, this thing unlocks in that pigeon's mind that it's, it's a delicious cracker. And so, uh, the, the funny thing about the meme was, you know, it was a recruiter trying to give, you know, web three information to web two, uh, candidate and then the candidate's like, get that out of my face. But then once they take and learn about it, they're like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Um, and so, yeah, for, for us, a lot of it is, you know, trying to tell that bigger narrative, you know, what is beyond, you know, digital gold and overpriced JPEGs, right? So, um, yeah. Um, you have a decentralized job fair. That's cool. What, what is that? And how did that, that just passed, right? October, was on October 28th. Oh, in Lisbon. Oh, that's what you were talking yeah. about during the that was a part of it how did that go did you have a lot of people sign up yeah attend? that was during our um ipfs camp um uh, that was held over the weekend um uh, yeah that that weekend and uh one of the events we held was a decentralized uh, job prayer where you know um some of the companies within the protocol labs network um who um have urgent hiring needs they kind of uh put out uh, tables and, uh, you know, uh, just kind of these, these networking tables where uh, prospective candidates could, you know, just approach them and have conversations, learn about their background, learn about their, their mission, what they're trying to build. And then from there, uh, you know, kind of make connections. Hey, you know, is this 
you know, a, a place that has something that, that I can offer. Um, you know, it was, it was good. You know, we really promoted that one throughout then, you know, the first couple weeks, uh, you know, through lab week and, uh, we had a talent day where we, you know, uh, handed out uh, information for that decentralized job fair. Um, even at Ethereum Lisbon, you know, we had, you know, all these, you know, flyers and, and cards that uh, we were trying to bring people um, over to uh, to have those conversations. Um, I don't know exactly the uh, the turnout or the postmortem, you know, the findings from the postmortem from that event yet, but um, I know in general we we had some really great conversations. It's great if you have the opportunity as a job candidate, if you have access to those events, or I mean, the opportunity to attend those events, because it can really be beneficial for an individual to get that one-on-one -on -one face time, even if it's for two minutes, you know, and the booth is crazy and everybody's trying to talk to the recruiter, but just to have that opportunity to get that quick face-to-face -face time to say like, hey, I'm a candidate looking for a job. I'd love to work at Protocol Labs. Like these are my skill sets. Um, because we're in such a remote world right now, that opportunity doesn't quite exist as much as it used to. Yeah. Um, and so if you have the opportunity to attend some of these like crypto conferences, like Lab Week or whatever, I mean, and we're going into the conference season um, as a candidate and you're looking for a job, you should definitely take the opportunity to do that. I'd also be curious for anybody that was there, if there was anything that specifically stood out in the candidates that they met, um, like networking tricks that people did, um, anything that somebody said to, to stand out in that recruiter's mind. Um, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think it's, I think you, you kind of said it best earlier. It's like, it's, it's in these, um, events that you have like these human connections, right? Um, often you know, what I hear from, from many people and observe, observably, uh, through my experience in the recruiting industry, it's very transactional, right? You know, you just like say here, here's my resume, uh, here's my, you know, salary expectations, you know, what, what can you do for me, uh, type of conversations. But if you can actually sit down with somebody and talk about your motivations, what you're passionate about, um, you know, the, the things that, that really you know, get you going and, and makes you wake up in the morning and you want to work on it, you know, what, is, what are those things? And can you communicate that effectively and, and honestly with, with a recruiter? I think those are the conversations that, that remind that, that, you know, stick in my mind is, is really those uh, purely human connections. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like the conversations I remember as a recruiter are not you know, what's your background? Tell me your story. It's like, Hey, what do you think about the industry? Right? Like, let's talk about where this is going, the projects, like stuff like that. I feel like the conference circuit is great for that. Like, even if you know you don't have crypto experience, you can kind of show your skills. And like you said, have like a true connection. That's not just like PFP shit posting on Twitter and like LinkedIn, <laughs> right? It's like, you can kind of like dive into it and then, you know, show kind of your skill set, whatever that is. Um, that's really cool that you guys are focusing on that. Is there anything coming up that you guys are going to be at or that you want to kind of plug to, to maybe get some people to? Um, 
Yeah, I can't think of anything offhand right now. Uh, I wish I had kind of looked into that a little bit before this conversation, but you know, it, it's definitely something I can um, send to you guys later, and hopefully you can kind of link it in, in the description or something. But uh, I'm pretty sure we have uh, some really great opportunities coming up. So we have one question from our community. Um, do you follow up with candidates if they don't pass the first interview to give them feedback? Uh, I do. I know it's not it's not something that all recruiters do, but you know I think again that's something that just aligns to to me personally as a as a person, um, and what I want to establish as my personal brand is to you know be that person that you know advocates for people, right? Um, oftentimes, you know, I, I've been on that side of the the table before, where it's like you know I've gone through an interview, I thought it went well. But then without any sort of feedback, you know, was rejected, right? And so um, I, I really empathize for, for folks in that situation. So, um, yeah, in, in any opportunity where a candidate does directly ask me, hey, is there anything I could have done better? Uh, I'll see what I can share with them and, and make that known. Well, um, with that being said, the last thing that I want to close out with, which is new for this episode, Alex, I didn't give you any heads up that we're going to do that Ooh, this episode. Uh -oh. So we've been doing giveaways associated with each podcast. And for this podcast, we want to do one fun fact about Protocol Labs. And in order to win the podcast, you have to hear it here first. So what is one fun fact, either about the hiring process for for protocol labs or for protocol labs in general that most people wouldn't know um, or surprising or something underneath that whole category. Okay. I'm putting you on the spot too. Sure, sure. Uh, I'm trying to think of a fun fact. I have interesting facts that, that come to mind already, but uh, a fun fact. Oh, actually, this one's really cool. One of the founders in the PLN uh, is Jonathan Dotton, and he is also known for being a, a consultant for the show uh, Silicon Valley, uh, where you know they ended up having this really cool plot line uh, talking about decentralized storage networks, and you know he was actually a huge part of that. And he came, you know, after that show ended, he came back and uh, founded a couple of companies called. Uh, uh, Starling Lab and uh, Equity Lab. I was just talking to somebody about this the other day because I said you were coming on to the podcast and um, I was referring back to like, and I'm totally remembering this wrong because it's been a while since I've rewatched Silicon Valley, but there's a plot at one point where they're trying to do some sort of like decentralized something across all of the phones. Do you know what I'm talking about? What what were they doing within it? Um, and it was hilarious. Maybe it was like Bachman's idea or something. Or uh, in, do you know what I'm talking about? Or am I totally rambling? I so I, I have to be honest. I never finished out the series. You know, I got to season three or four, and then kind of you know lost track of it. But you know, just kind of hearing secondhand, I, I knew that there was a plot line about you know decentralized technology but I, I don't know exactly you know what it was that they bought Alex do you know what I'm talking about I remember parts of it it's been a while I mean I, I I think the funniest thing for me when I watched that show was like I was watching that not in tech I was like in an agency and then when I came to Coinbase all the like terminology <laughs> and like 
TLDR and dog fooding and like all this stuff that was on the show. I was like, oh, this is real, right? So it's good to hear that there was somebody from the industry to make it authentic. And again, it's like, it makes you think it's like kind of founded some projects that were similar to what was going on. Maybe that was the ideation phase. Who knows? No, that is a cool fact. Hotline within it. That's exactly like IFPS. Like it's like, you know, it's just Silicon Valley was like the comedic version of it. Um, I re I rewatched Silicon Valley after starting my first startup and everything made sense in it. Like down to the VCs that they were talking to, down to like the conference circuit, to like ideating with the team and then the founder leaves and then, you know, the team is upset and, you know, everything about it was like so spot on. So yeah, I echo. Um, great that they had actual consultants because you could tell that there were definitely people um, that were advising on the project that had gone through every single bit of building a startup from beginning to end. So great show for anybody that's yeah. listening. Definitely recommend. Hopefully they come back and do a, a reboot because that would be great. Just the crypto version. <laughs> oh God, that would be, that, that's in the works, I'm sure. There's yeah. there's somebody right in the crypto, uh, the crypto version of that right now, yeah. for sure. Somebody's definitely writing the, the FTX story. That's going to be the next Apple, Apple like series. Yep. Well, and also I got to ask you, Donnie, you built a house. I saw this on your, your LinkedIn <laughs> when you were kind of in between roles that you built a house, like fun fact about you, I guess I got to, how did you manage to do that? as you were kind of in between roles uh, it wasn't within that same time frame that i uh <laughs> built the house it's oh, been okay. a, a four almost f uh, five year journey actually we we bought some land here in the seattle area uh in 2018 uh and still not fully finished uh you know i'm sitting in it right now but uh you know we have some uh landscaping and some external stair work that we need to do before we the city lets us move in uh, but yeah, it started off with a, uh, a, what, how would I say this? Um, a naive idea, grand idea to, to build a house. I sold my wife on the idea of, Hey, you know, like we were looking at houses in there and we were like, Oh, we like this, but, Oh, we like this, but, and then I was like, Hey, what do you think about building a house? And we'd get everything that we wanted you know uh finally won her over but then uh yeah it's been it, it's been a, a beast of a project Four years later. recruiter by day recruiter by day builder by night that is quite <laughs> the uh the trade that's cool well donnie thank you so much for taking the time to come on and uh talk to us about protocol labs about your background um you know talk through the headlines with us. Um, if somebody wants to apply to a job at Protocol Labs, where do they go? Yeah, you can go to jobs.protocol.ai uh, backslash jobs. Um, you'll see all the positions are open for Protocol Labs as well as the entire Protocol Labs network. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And uh, thank you for tuning in and for listening to episode three of Recruiting Edge. Uh, I'm Lacey Kay. And I'm Alex C. And uh, we'll uh, chat next week for our next guest. See you then.